Well, good morning and greetings in the Master's name. And you just gave me a directive that's impossible. Don't feel under pressure. <laughs> well, I find it a real privilege to be here. And so much has been said about the Peak Congregation. And I could talk for a while about that, but that's not my subject this morning. But I do want to say, we came here as, in 2019. And yes, this congregation is very warm. We've been loved from the very first time we came, accepted, and as Brother Jay said of, of um, Brother Jim talking to him, I felt the exact same from him. He's actually referred to me several times, told me, you're my pastor. That makes me feel about that big. title of the message this morning is Goals for the Peak Congregation. That's what I was asked to bring. Where do you go with that? So what are God's goals for the church? We could look at it as what are our goals for the church, but I think we need to look at it from God's perspective. What are his goals for the church? And how do we go about meeting those goals? For, I guess, a text, if you want to call it that. Let's turn to Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. We read this at weddings quite often. But this explains very clearly what God's or what Christ's goal is for the church. Ephesians 5, verses 25 to 27. <clears throat> Start there at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it, that it should be holy and without blemish. What a standard, what a goal that Christ has set for himself and his church. That he might present it to himself by this standard. You know, Christ plays a central figure, a central part in who the church is. We also play a part. We're going to look at that. But I want to back up just a little bit and reason for us for just a little. Why did God create the universe? Now, I gave you all a chance to respond there. Nobody did. I was a little bit disappointed. That's okay. Why did God spend all the time, energy, and emotion that he did creating man, developing a relationship with man, raising up a nation to call his own, the Israelites? He led them through all that he did in the Old Testament. And he used a basket case to do it. Then Jesus himself left the beautiful place where God dwells. We call it heaven. He came to earth, and put on human flesh, and he walked among us. He felt our joy and our sorrow. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was hot and sweaty. He stayed up all night. He shed tears. He laughed. He did all that knowing that we would do what we would do to him in return. Knowing the horrendous suffering he would endure as he surrendered himself to the torments of his enemy, Satan. Now Jesus didn't just suffer the physical pain that crucifixion brought. He suffered all the spiritual pain that Satan could throw at him. You see, it was a whole lot more than just a physical, human torment that Jesus went through. 
All of satanic powers, everything Satan could throw at him was throwing at him at that point. I believe it was a whole lot more going on in the spiritual realm than we have any idea when Jesus went to the cross. And he said, it is finished. Why did he do all this? He did it so the entire world, every human being, might have an opportunity to be part of his bride, the church. All of that for this, for his church. So as we consider what Christ wanted for his church, what are the goals that we should set for the peak congregation? This little part of the greater bride of Christ. What should they be? We should be really asking ourselves what his goals are for the peak congregation are, and how do we go about achieving them? We've already read what Christ's ultimate desire is for the church in Ephesians 5, verse 27. We just read that. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. So what is our part in becoming that glorious bride? You see, Christ has a part. And he, through the whole work of the Holy Spirit, is purifying his church. But we can and do have a part. What is our responsibility? As I pondered that question, what are God's goals for the church? And because of that, what should our goals as a church be? A number of things came to mind. The first two goals are found in Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. And most of you already know what that is. Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. Great commission. I'm sorry, this is a great com- the greatest commandment. I said that wrong. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Goal number one for the peak congregation, and I believe this is God's goal, is that we love God with all our mind, our soul, and our strength. Now, this goal is easy to talk about, but it takes an entire lifetime to fulfill. The longer we live, the more we realize that there's ways that we can love God deeper. And we heard testimonies of lives this morning, people that struggled, people that weren't perfect. But when they passed on, we heard the testimony this morning, they love the Lord. That challenged me so much. They love the Lord. And because they love the Lord, we have a whole congregation here of people, and more, way beyond this, that couldn't make it here this morning, that were affected because of their lives. Because they love the Lord and spent a lifetime learning how to love Him with their entire mind, soul, and strength. We could spend an entire sermon on that point, but that's not the message for this morning. But I'd like to say something about that. One of the most deceptive gods 
that is taking our love away from God today is self. And the church has at times accidentally promoted the false god of self. And let me explain that a little further. That god is called humanism. And when I serve God for what I get out of it, when I serve him because of what I get out of that relationship, because of what I want, instead of because of how much I love him, I have become the object of my affection and not him. We can say it like this. If the reason we serve God is to escape hell and gain heaven, we are no longer loving God with all our soul, mind, and strength. We are serving him for our own benefit. And I am guilty. We will spend a lifetime finding areas in our lives that need to be more fully surrendered to God. Self loves to get in the way. Goal number one, love God with our entire being for what he has done for us, not for what we get out of it. He deserves all we can give him. Goal number two, love our neighbors as ourselves. And this is another goal or commandment that's easier to say than to do. I mean, does Jesus really mean that I'm to love my neighbor as I love myself? I believe he does. And you can ask why. Why would God ask that of us? That's a really high calling and, and difficult. Loving others like Christ desires for us to is only possible through the power of Jesus' love flowing through us. It's one of the best ways to draw others to Christ because they're seeing something in you they can't do. If the, if the church is going to draw the world to Christ, it must, must live out this mandate. The church must love her neighbors as she does herself and Christ more than she does herself. Both of these first two goals are completely counter to our human nature and can only be accomplished through the power that Christ gives us. And I could give you an illustration, personal experience with neighbors that are hard to love, a neighbor that is hard to love. Brother Nathan sitting here, he, can know, he knows who I'm talking about. But you know, that's who God has sent us to. That's who God calls us to love because it's not our nature. It's only through his power that we can love those that are unlovely, that are unkind. It's only through his power that we can be to people what he wants us to be. And verse 40 says that on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And on those two goals that I just gave you, love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and love our neighbor as ourself, on those two goals hang all the rest that we're going to give this morning. And I have seven goals total. For goal number three, let's turn to Matthew 28. We'll read verses 18 to 20. Matthew 28. Here's where we find the Great Commission. You probably already know that. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. 
take the gospel to all nations. That's not a suggestion. That is a grand and humanly impossible goal. Can't do it. Do you think that it's even possible that the Peak congregation could have a part in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world? Of course. But only through the power of Jesus working through us. His love flowing through us, affecting one life at a time. I believe we can have an effect on the entire world. Jesus said we can. He commanded us to. Jesus even gave us a plan how to accomplish that goal. Acts 1.8 says, But ye shall receive power after, the, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto, witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now Jesus gave that command through Paul there in Acts. Well, no, he gave the command. It was written down. And I want you to ask yourself, did that come to pass? Did they spread the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth? I want to ask yourself, where are you this morning in relation to Jerusalem? We're about as far from Jerusalem as you can get. We are the uttermost part of the earth. As Jesus was speaking to them, we are in the uttermost part of the earth today. And that gospel got spread just like Jesus said it would. And when we think of the mission field, it's right back over there in, in Africa, which isn't really that far away from Israel. That's our uttermost part of the earth, back on the other side again. But the gospel does need to go back there. It does need to go all over. There's many places that don't have the gospel. Jesus said this would happen, and it did, and it will happen for us today. But there's a requirement. Very first part of the verse. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. And we can stop right there. As the Holy Ghost fills us, as we are filled with the leading of the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be a witness. It's going to come out. The more you are sold out for Christ, the more we surrender to Christ, the more we can be filled with the Spirit, and the more He can do through us. And as we allow him to work, he says, ye shall be witnesses. It's going to come out. Our lives will have an effect on those close to us. Then it will spread to others. It did for the people he was talking to there in Acts. We're a direct consequence of their faith, of the Holy Spirit being poured out in their lives. We're still receiving from their lives, from their testimony. So what are the things that we as a congregation can do here at home to help fulfill this great commission that we've been called to? What is our responsibility as a church? Or maybe we should say, what are some goals that will help us to be the visible body of Christ here on earth? To be his hands and feet to the world around us. And it must start right here. If we're going to love sinners... Enough to take the gospel to them, we must first love the church. Jesus said, if you can't love your brother, how can you love those that hate you? We need to love those we rub shoulders with. And I believe that you as a congregation do. You've showed that to us and to many. You love those around you. So how do you know? 
if you personally love the church. As most people who've been married very long will tell you, love is far more than a feeling. It is a commitment. It is a decision to care deeply about someone else no matter the circumstances. No matter how much you feel like it or not, you care about that person. And you can gauge the love you have for that person by how willing you are to sacrifice for that person. Do we love the church? Do I love the church? Am I willing to sacrifice my time and my talents for the church? It's no different than someone, a person that we would love. It's a body of believers. Do we love the church? How much you love the church is very evident to those around you. It shows up in how important she is to you and how much you're willing to give of yourself for her. And I'm very thankful to be part of a body of believers that does love the church. The longer I'm here, the more I see people willing to give of themselves, to support, and to reach out for the gospel, reaching lives around you. What a blessing. And that brings us to goal number four, love the church. First of all, the local body of believers, and secondly, the global body of believers. And I think of that as we hear the wars in, in Jerusalem and Ukraine and other places around the world. There are believers being affected by those wars. Do we care? How much are we moved by what they are going through? Not just the believers, but the people that are losing their lives on both sides of either fight. Let's stay out. Let's not take sides. But let's lift up those in prayer. Do anything we can to support those, the believers that are there especially, and those that are reaching out in those situations and helping people. But there's more that a church can focus on to help spread the gospel. And that brings us to goal number five. And I believe this goal is happening. But raise up a generation of young people who are committed to serving Christ no matter where he takes them. This is going to take parents that love the Lord and who take the time to teach and train their children to do the same. My mind goes to Timothy. And his mother and grandmother, Eunice and Lois, somehow... They passed their love for God on to Timothy. And we're still blessed today because of Timothy's work in the early church. And we're not only raising up missionaries, the church is also raising up future leaders. And that's goal number six. That we as a church would raise up godly leaders. You know, there is church after church that is dying out for lack of leadership today. There's churches... And I heard this as a young man growing up in Mississippi. Where I was talking to um, a pastor there, and they were looking to hire a, a minister. They couldn't find somebody. They were having a hard time hiring minister, a minister. And he said, well, we got to talking about it. He said, well, you all just ordain from within your group, don't you? I said, yeah, that's what we do. He said, well, we don't have qualified men in our church. So that's why we're hiring women. There wasn't qualified men to lead out in their church. We have a responsibility as a church to raise godly leaders. My mind goes to Daniel. Even as a very young man, Daniel purposed in his heart 
to not defile himself with the delicacies the world had to offer. He committed himself to serving God no matter the cost. And you know, Daniel never tried to be a leader. But because of his faithfulness, he stood firm in his belief in God and his relationship with God. You know where he ended up? The highest place that he could possibly go in the nation over and over and over, under multiple kings. He was one of the top leaders in the nation, didn't even try for it, because he was faithful to his purpose to serve God. We need to be raising that kind of men and women. Young people whose life focus is on the kingdom of God and their jobs and hobbies come second. Young people who are seeking God's will for their lives as much or more in the area of service as they are in the area of life vocation. Parents, teachers, youth leaders, the world is big and the needs are tremendous. Let's do all we can to instill in our children and our youth the desire to be used in God's kingdom no matter where he calls them. We need youth that are willing to lead out and do God's work no matter what others may think or do. We need strong leaders in our church. And that doesn't mean men and women that boldly just do what their own thing. That means men and women that are boldly doing what Christ asks of them, no matter what that is. And number seven, seventh goal that I would have for the church, for the peak congregation specifically. Now this is a little bold and this is a personal goal that I would see, but I think we could do it. And that is start and support a new church somewhere. Spread this out. We've got a beautiful thing going on at Peak Congregation. We need this in a whole lot of other places in the valley. There are churches all up and down the valley that are dying out. There's only old people going there. They don't have any young people. And slowly, one by one, the doors are shutting. The ones that that continue to go to church go to a a big church in town somewhere. The little country church is dying. Praise God, this one isn't. And we can spread what we have here to another congregation and another congregation. It can go on. Peak congregation got started because someone had a vision. And someone came up here in the mountains and it used to be a whole lot worse than it is now. God's light has made a tremendous change in this community. This used to be a rough, rough community. A community that people feared to go to. God made that change here. And I'm not saying that's because of the Peak Congregation, but it had its effect. That same thing can happen all over this valley with men and women that are committed and willing to serve God no matter where he calls them. Can we do that? I believe we can. As God leads, all these goals are fulfillable through his leading and his power. Brother Elam said, Elam said that God put it in the hearts of our forefathers to start the Little Mountain Church a hundred years ago. What's God going to do through the Peak Congregation in the next hundred years?